0: And I love, one of our brothers said, E plus R equals O. And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) And he's like, I learned a long time ago. I was taught, probably, I think he said he was taught when he was taught this when he was 25, really getting into the company that he was uh, working for. And he said, the leader told me, your event plus your response gives you your outcome. E plus R equals O. What do you always have control of? The R. You don't always have control of the E but you do have control of the R. And when we look about taking ownership, extreme ownership of our lives, that R is what we have, we have to choose.
1: Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartovera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We're also excited to now be a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and we're super excited to share with you that according to Listen Now, we have now been ranked in the top 2% globally of all podcasts. And today we have a special guest with us, Clay Smeltzer, who is the founder of an organization called Purpose Infused Brotherhood that helps men become the best versions of themselves by building, battling, and bonding together. Clay is here to talk about men and men's issues and the challenges of manhood in today's culture. Uh, He's going to talk about the ways that we need to reprogram our subconscious and the reality that our subconscious programming is creating the outcomes in our life. He's going to talk about navigating motions as a man, some different ways that our brain works and the ways that it's actually programmed and ways to rewrite that programming. And I love this. Clay is all about taking ownership and responsibility for your life, and he's going to share with us his life formula of E plus R equals O. You're going to have to listen in to know more about that. And listen in especially to hear as Clay shares the story of allowing the death of his old self in order for his most authentic self to begin anew. Welcome to the We are so excited to be back here today with a conversation that we don't have all the time. We've got Clay Smeltzer with us today, and today we're going to talk about men, very specifically focused, a conversation on men. And it's so needed today. Clay is the founder of an organization called Purpose Infused Brotherhood that helps driven men become the best version of themselves by building, battling, and bonding together, basically getting men initiated into a family where they actually belong. Clay was 35 years old and living by what the world and everyone else told him he should be. He was the, in quotes, responsible guy, uh, but he was filled with worry, anxiety, anger, stress, negativity, shame, fear, and the list went on. And then, as he says, the shit hit the fan, full-blown anxiety and panic attack over a TV show. And that's when he decided to put bring to death the old self and out all of the, and out of those ashes, give birth to the new purpose-infused man. This change gave birth to the purpose-infused brotherhood, which helps other men make those same changes and become the best version of themselves every single day. So welcome, Clay. Well, thank you, Jeff and Craig. I appreciate it very much for being here. Uh, super excited for our
0: conversation, too. So uh, I'm just ready to, whatever it is, talking about men and helping men really be the best version of themselves, and that's what I'm all about.
2: That sounds fascinating. This is, this is great. And I know Jeff, you've, you've done a lot of work with the, uh, with men's organizations as well. And uh, I've been part of those as well. So it's really excited about this.
1: Yeah. So Clay, give everybody a little bit of the more, put a little meat on the bones of this background story.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, you know, for me, it, it where my work came to with men came because of that time I was sitting on my couch right over here in my office. The TV show was actually game of Thrones. Um, uh-huh. And if I don't know if any of you've watched it, but it's the whole oh, yeah. door scene. Um, I felt like the inside of my mind, I felt trapped like the pixie that was in the tree. If you remember that mm-hmm. scene, if anybody remembers that scene, I felt like that person inside my own mind. The problem was, was I wasn't willing to actually say anything of what I was feeling. I kept it inside. So, uh, that's where I was at at 30. I'm 40 now. That was at 35, uh, 35. Um, so five years ago, but let's go back prior to that. Uh, I grew up in the, I was telling you, telling you guys, um, you know, pre-show is I grew up in the woods of Pennsylvania. So I'm a country boy at heart. Um, I was an athlete my whole life. I, I, I see your raised picture back there. So I chased the major leagues. Um, that's what what I did until an injury took me out in college uh, of that dream. And uh, that's kind of where a little bit of my down story goes, uh, is that once that dream was gone, I didn't have one until I went through the things I did at 35 and actually refound a dream because that was gone. But that was also my identity back then. So yeah. that kind of was, I was Clay Smelter chasing the major leagues. Um, once that was gone, who was I now? I didn't know that from 20 years old to 35. So 15 years of my life, but that also led to a bunch of anxiety. Uh, I didn't for 15 years, I didn't tell people about my anxiety. Um, my wife, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually divorced twice. I'm married for a third time. My wife now and our blended family together. Um, I was sitting with her. She was sleeping during Game of Thrones. I don't know how she was doing that, but, <laughs> but, so, but she was sleeping And I'm sitting there and I, 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 you know, I've mentioned to her like, Hey, you know, I deal with a little bit of anxiety and and stuff, but I didn't tell her what it really was. Uh, And I didn't tell anybody for 15 years of my life. And then that moment there was when, as I said, the shit hit the fan. And that's the point in time of my life where everything, if you look from the outside picture, everything was great, but internally I I was, I was struggling. I was going through the stuff and it was a point in time where I said, you know, something has to change and it has to be me. Um, I still didn't tell her anything for two weeks and I lived in that cycle of crazy stuff going on in my head. But once I told her and I said, Hey, um, I'm dealing with anxiety every single day. It's like constant. I have panic attacks all day. Um, and I just don't know what, to, I just wanted to stop and I don't know what to do. And she said, Hey, she's like, I love you. I don't know how to help, but I'm here to support you. Awesome. And I'm like, hold on a sec. I'm like, no, wait you're not, you don't think less of me as a man. She's like, no, how about you don't think less of me as a, as a father? No. Or as a husband? No. I'm like, man, I should have said this a long time ago, you know, (laughs) but, but so where does the work with men and kind of my story comes to fruition of working with men uh, and dealing with that is I don't want guys to go through what I went through because it, it, for me, it never needed to get to that point. I was just too proud. My ego was way up. and I was too ashamed to admit the things I was going through. But once I started talking and sharing, that really got me into this thing of saying, you know what, once I put it out there, now I can step into it so I can step up to lead. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is as a, I'm also an educator too. So I teach seventh grade math as well, as long, along with, um, uh, so I'm an educator, um, educational leader and stuff like that too. So along with doing the purpose infused brotherhood, but I think, The big thing when we're talking about leaderships and I was listening to a bunch of your other shows is a leader of one is also can also be a leader of many. But we can't lead many until we lead the one, which is ourselves. And I think that's 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 one of the biggest things. I just want men to lead themselves.
2: That's a great point. So I think you've really touched on this this big issue that I think is out there, which is men lead a lonely life because they don't mm -hmm. get deep with those guys around them. And oftentimes, you know, it's very superficial, you know, it slaps on the back. It's, yeah. you know, let's talk about sports. We don't get into the into the meat right. too much. And I think that's a, a real shame. Fortunately, I've, you know, I think all three of us have now been yeah. through experiences where we've, we've gone beyond that though.
1: Huh. Yeah. So, so Clay, let me dive into right mm-hmm. into the middle of the, the deep water. I had this conversation just yesterday, perfect timing. It's one I've had regularly, I was talking to a guy about men's issues and challenges. And something that's come to my awareness the last six or eight years is this, that you talked about shame and Mm
3: -hmm.
1: not feeling good enough and anxiety and all that fear. And what I've realized is typically women who struggle with the same issues, however, the outcome of that issue is some version of I'm not enough. I don't think I'm pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not thin enough. Whatever it is, the, the, the bottom of that is this feeling of not enough. But Correct. for men, there's so much identity attached to those mm-hmm. that men actually go to. I'm not a man. Yeah, not. I'm not a good enough man. or good enough, yeah. enough. I'm not a man. So talk about that dynamic in working with men of that. I sole identity as a man is Correct. tied to showing up a certain way.
0: Well, I think it goes back for men to the provide protect, and we we put a lot of um, statue into how can we provide financially. Nowadays, you know, in our past, as we go back in history, 1900 prior, you know, it was about providing for the land that you have, cultivating the land, hunting, uh, fishing, providing for your family, uh, basically to help people like or your family wake up and be like, hey, today, our goal is not to die. Uh, that's 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 our that was our whole goal. Well, 1900 on we started getting to the Industrial Revolution as time changed. Uh, we went from this per, this this survival mode that we lived in as guys were really good at doing that to this pleasure filled world. So we kind of operate survival. Our brain works survival mode, but we live in a pleasure filled world. So we have disconnect and and confrontation there because we haven't made that transition uh, as a society into how do we develop and how do we use those things? So for us nowadays, it's transition to my worth as a man is my productivity. But the problem with that is, is now we're attaching it to something that's physical, that's outside, that's external. Mm-hmm. not attaching our worth and our value to what we believe in ourself. And what I say is our purpose. And that's kind of where a purpose infused brother comes from, because it's taking who you are and what you do and how you do everything in your life. Those there's, there's two to three things that a man really runs on what it is for you. I don't know. I know what it is for me because I've done the work to find that out, but there's two to three things that men really, really run on why they've chosen to do what they've done their whole entire life. Um, and those three things are your purpose. And when it's infused into every single thing that you do and you center and focus and align to that, now it's aligned to what you do and how you are. So it's not about productivity. It's not about how much income I make. Cause if we can go into that whole topic too, is the income I make proves to me that I'm a man in the world, or I have a fancy sports car, or I have this, or I have all these material things that doesn't matter when you look into the mirror, what man do you see there? And for me, I always talk, there's two biggest, two greatest questions every man has. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying about the women too, is good enough. The first question every man has to answer is, am I good enough? The second question, the bigger question is, do I have what it takes? And many times in our lives, I know for me, there's times I can answer yes to both of those, but there's also times I can answer yes to one of them, not the other one and so forth. So how do we move through our lives being able to come back to those two questions as a man to say, Hey, am I good enough? Yes. Do I have what it takes? Yes. And then accomplishing and living the life that you want. So.
1: So, so Clay, let's, there's so much in that. Let's just pull one thread for the moment. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, providing and you also specifically use the word money. Mm -hmm. So the set contact, are you familiar with the concept of shadow?
0: Yes. OK, that's 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 the only reason why I am where I am, because I had right. to go into my shadow. Yeah, in your shadow. So
1: <laughs> and it was phrase horrible. You might be familiar with this. People have money shadow. Men and yeah. women have money shadow. Absolutely. So one thing I've started to realize is that in all I have a lot of deep conversations. I do. Mm-hmm. But the conversation almost never happens is about money. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like even when the men are willing to have a really vulnerable conversation it's almost like, yeah, but we ain't going there. <laughs> so have you found that or, or sort of what have you experienced with that topic of money and that? Uh,
0: yeah. I, I think one of the things is I've done a lot of work with, um, my coach is also a, a money coach too. So she works on money blocks as well, Coach Dr. Amanda Barrientes. And um, so I've worked a lot on my money blocks over the years. I, I can remember my parents, you know, growing up and I love my mom and dad, but they, we were driver. I grew up in a trailer in the woods, a uh, single wide trailer in the woods. We didn't have money. Uh, my dad worked at Wise Mart, a grocery chain. My mom didn't work until we we got into school for a while. And uh, so I don't know how he did it, working at a grocery store, provided the lights that we did. But it was it was it was a great life, but we didn't have a lot of money. So I remember mom and dad driving around or a BMW would come across or a Mercedes like, oh, look at that rich person. over there. you can just do whatever they want. So. What that started is this money block that I've had until I was an adult. I had that same thing that, okay, somebody who drives a BMW or a Mercedes or an expensive car, they're rich and they're mean, and they just think they can do whatever they want. That was, that was my subconscious program being just because I heard that phrase over and over again. So that's what I thought until I, I was in a business prior as well, until I got around millionaires and multimillionaires. And then I was like, I went into the to the to those conversations, to meeting these people, uh, and in that mindset that they're just going to be mean, they're selfish, and all that kind of stuff. But when I met them, I was like, wow, these are some of the most giving, yeah. and caring, and loving people I've ever met in my life. So until I was in a situation where my perspective would changed, I was still going to have that perception and that program in my subconscious that always ran that. So. When you're talking about money blocks, there's a lot of money blocks that come back and where did the money blocks come from. They come from what we were taught. So it's kind of this generational thing. So uh, Dr. B really helped me kind of dive into some of those. Uh, and then it gets into the business aspect of it, too. If you're if anybody that that is in your listening audience is a business owner, too, you get into the um, well you know, charging and then feeling like the imposter syndrome and things like that and all that kind of stuff that goes into a whole nother money block piece. But I agree with you because we, I was told my mom still doesn't talk. I don't know what my mom makes. Like, I know she makes a lot of money, but I don't know what it is, but she never wants to talk about money. And, and that's what was instilled in me. But I had to break that barrier to say, no, it's okay to talk about money. It's okay to talk about finance. It's okay to talk about this. Because what I had attached before is that that money equaled my success. And that's Mm -hmm. false. The money didn't actually give the value to myself. What I thought about myself, what I felt I did and give to the world, that's my gift to the world. And that's my value. Money just happens to be an, an object that allows me to expand my creativity and to be able to help more people.
1: Well, that, that, that resonates with me, Clay, because I remember a number of years ago sitting with my coach talking about money blocks. And yeah. the question he asked me was the right question at the right time, because he said, do you believe that you can be wealthy and be a good person? <laughs> mm-hmm. And when he asked the question, my head said, well, of course you can. But the truer answer, I said, no, I don't believe you can. Because yeah. I said, at that point in my life, I said, I know one person Who's wealthy Mm -hmm. that I consider to be a good person? I knew one. Yep. The rest, my story, and and by the way, I probably saw just that 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 group, right? I probably did know more, but that was my experience. That was a that was a momentous moment Mm -hmm. to realize that was that was running the that tape was running. Yeah,
0: isn't that crazy though? Like, I mean, what you just said was my exact uh, my exact thought process probably five years ago before I started working with Coach B. And it was the same thing.
2: And what's interesting think is, so. you know, if you if you're really focused on being a decent person, then you're going to do everything you can to sabotage making money.
1: <laughs> yep, well, exactly right. Because the yep. more money that I make, sucks. the less
0: I'm a, I'm a worse person. <laughs> less, yeah, and that right. it, and that goes back to your subconscious program. Your mind will literally uh, bring forth and bring to fruition what those subconscious programs yeah. run and until we. And and that's where a lot of the things, especially with men. We I love Joe Dispenza. Uh, amazing, you know, information about the mind and subconscious and everything. But when we bring that to the forefront, now we can have a conversation about it. Now I can deal with it. Just like, you know, we, we meet every single week uh, in our brotherhood group. I have three different sessions or, or sessions go on during a week uh, all across the United States and in, into Canada. But when we get together, we can actually pull out those conversations like we're having now so that we can get thoughts, ideas, things like that. You know, and that's where now it's out on the table. Now I can do something about it. But what we do as men is we kind of like shove it back in what I call the shadow. We shove it back in the shadow. I'm like, nah, I'm just not dealing with it. Mm. But what happens is we keep shoving so many things back in our shadow. It gets to the point where I was at, where my shadow was so dark. It was, mm. pull, it was pulling me down. And, and that's where it pulled me down enough to where I was in the darkness myself. Mm. And I had to, I, so how do I get out of it? well i had to go into the darkness to get out of it and and that's where a lot of guys were just like hey i'll shove it back cuz i don't want to step into the darkness because it's it's bad like it yeah. it makes me it makes me go am i a bad person am i good enough and do i have what it takes it makes me go no and no and that that's a weird feeling we don't want to do that but we have to
1: i want to talk about that idea of the subconscious i i've seen this many times before but it came across my desk just this week again again no coincidence <laughs> it's a Carl Jung quote mm-hmm. that he said: "Until you make the unconscious conscious, yes, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate." Yep, <laughs> and I love that because to me, it it just speaks of the victimhood that I can get into. Yes. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: when I'm not conscious, my when I'm not conscious, I'm in victimhood state because everybody's yep. someone's fault. I'm unlucky. Yep. Uh, someone else is doing it to me, and mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for all this to change. But it's up to me to change and. I, I want to talk about this idea of going into the darkness. Uh, who yeah. was it? I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh God, the the quote. Oh my God. Um, it's about going, the answers you seek are in the cave. Uh, uh, Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. I think something like that. And then he's talking about going into the darkness. Yeah. That's where the work is. And I think yeah. it terrifies. I mean, I know it terrifies us. Oh yeah. I don't want to go in there. Yep. Uh, so talk about, we're talking about, a lot of this makes sense, right, Clay? But talk yeah. about the a little bit more of the how of this. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to go in the darkness, but I, I choose to, some choose yeah. to. Talk a little bit more about the hows in terms of this journey into the dark. Mm-hmm.
0: For, for me, again, why didn't I want to go into the darkness? Because I knew it was bad. I knew some of the things that I thought, felt, and, and were like, came through my mind. I'm like, Oh, we're not good things. And I didn't want to deal with going and saying, Hey, that is a part of me. Like I thought that I, I, I at points in time had also chosen that at points in time. And the thing that comes back is one of the steps is I, I believe in extreme ownership and the great book, I, uh, you know, by Jocko Willings, extreme ownership. I believe that fully. I also am a huge John Maxwell fan. This whole section over here, on my bookshelf is John Maxwell. And what he says, there's two times in our life where we are born. One is where we came from the womb. And the second time is when we accept responsibility for every single choice that we have made in our life. Hmm. And going back to what you said with the victim, victim mentality and things like that, that was me. Um, Being in divorce. uh, So I'm divorced twice. I have a child with my first wife. I have a child with my second wife Uh, together. My wife and I, now we have three kids all together. So we have a blended family of three, but I have two different schedules with two different women with all Mm -hmm. of these, like, so all these pieces going on. Now there are times and things like that going through divorce, there's struggles and things like that. But what I had to realize and, and take ownership of, was that I put myself in that position because I put my, I chose to be in relationships and marry and have kids with these people. So I had to take ownership, but what I did after the divorce or after that, because I felt bad and I wanted to not focus on myself, I went to blame others is I would say it was other people's fault, but I had to realize I put myself in that position. Um, So I had to take ownership. So I think that's one of the steps that needs to take place is take ownership. Um, But in the darkness, I read a book, great book, um, Debbie Ford um, dark side of the light chasers. Now yeah. for me, some of the things that she, t- t- the overall theme of it, stepping in there was awesome. I definitely needed one of the, one of the best change agents I've ever done to really step into my shadow. Now, some of the things that she talked about in there, I was like, well, that's way too far for me. I'm like, that's a little weird, <laughs> but cool. it was awesome in the premise because those steps that you had to go into, I had, and sh- I had to actually, get to know and become friends with the pieces of myself. I didn't like, I was trying to kick out, hmm. but the problem is, is if I try to kick it out, it fought back more. The more I tried to push it away and act like it didn't exist, the more it attacked because I wasn't building a relationship with that. So what we have to do is those parses. And, and for me, it was anxiety. It was anger. It was uh, fear, uh, fear of actually success. That's what, that was my biggest one. I'm not afraid to fail, but the, fears, the fear of success as an A-type a personality is like, whoa, what if it actually happens? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, But those things um, and all, all those different things that I didn't like about myself, I had to, as I say in, in, in the intro, I had to burn it down. Just a, in our, our, our logo is a phoenix. And just like the phoenix, the phoenix burns itself down and out of the ashes of itself, of its old self, builds this new purpose-infused man. And that's what I had to do. So I had to go in and take steps, literally had to go in and one day sit with anger. What do I not like about it? I mean, I've, I have journal upon journal. That's one of my biggest things is, is about how I felt about anger. I had to get in there. I had to feel angry. I had to go. I went out and busted some stuff up because I, I had to feel that energy. But I also had to accept that that's a part of me uh, in that case. And I can utilize it for good. Just like anxiety, I can utilize anxiety for good. That's why I was successful in sports. Because I use that energy, that ability to have that heightened uh, endorphins and everything, make my emotion faster, my eye connection faster and everything else. But how do I use it now? When it comes up over a TV show and I'm like, what's, what's going on? Why am I, why am I f- uh, afraid here? So you just, you gotta go. I would recommend Debbie Forge. Dark Sides
1: of Light Chasers. Absolutely. Well, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. She also, and I'll, I'm going to forget the title. She has another book that has shadow in the title uh, about shadows and secret
2: of the shadow <clears throat> or the, sh- yeah. Or the shadow effect with
1: Chopra. I, I think it's a way. shadow mm-hmm. effect. That's a great book. She's sadly, Debbie Ford, we lost Debbie Ford years ago to cancer. Oh,
3: um,
1: that was, that was a, a loss to humankind yeah she was a beautiful woman who who did a lot of deep work and helped guide people to a lot of deep work uh, so i want to talk keep coming back this little bit you the subconscious piece
3: mm-hmm.
1: one of the challenges I ran into myself and in my own work and then in working with other people, including men, is <laughs> i mean the subconscious is just so insidious, yeah <laughs> like it's so easy to rationalize myself and pretend I'm doing everything at a conscious level. So what, I mean, you've had that moment. I'm going to call it a bottoming out moment. Yep. The shit hit the fan. Some people have to get to bottom. Not everybody does. Correct. What's your belief about that? What it takes to get people to a point to let go of their old way of thinking and Mm -hmm. be open to the possibility that there's something else.
0: Yeah. And I think people really change for two reasons. One, because the shit does hit the fan or number two is because There's something out in front of them that that's great or that important that allows them to go after it. They'll take action to go after it. So I think for for one of the goals of the of the brotherhood is not only learn ourselves to but to expand for everybody else. So look, just like I was saying, a leader of one is a leader of many. Well, if we're all leaders of one in our brotherhood and we go out and and I love the phrase "blossom where you're planted," and we blossom where we're planted all around the country, we have a whole bunch of people expanding exponentially out into the world. But how do we do that? Well, we have the conversations with ourselves. We have the conversations to look at how does sub- subconscious programming actually work? Because our brains are literally a computer. So when we program that or what programs have we run, I think the biggest thing is the conversations we have, we find out how our subconscious, like the money talk, how our subconscious actually worked. As soon as Dr. B said to me and asked me the question like you did, well, if you had money, would you be a good person or a bad person? I mean, she literally asked me that question too. And I'm like, well, I'd be just like them. I'd be a selfish jerk. And then she's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Cause money changes it, you. Yeah. Nope. Cause money's the root of all evil and all it that kind of, those kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where it's like, oh. So once we started looking, she says. So we went into a little deeper work. I always do the five whys. You know, I always go, hey, and that gives us about five layers deep. Why? And then why this? And then why that? And then so we, so we always constantly in in our in our brotherhood is having those conversations. Well, why? Well, why? And then they're sitting there breaking this down, and I do it sometimes, and other people do it sometimes, and and it's like wow. And I'm like, and then I think about myself, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, now here's where it actually came from. So if we understand how our brains and our, our subconscious processes things, and I also look back at my life and see where that program came from, because we came out of the womb being able to eat poop, you know, and suck on things and things like that, and have our reflex, we learned everything else along the way. So if I've learned this along the way somewhere, it means I can also unlearn it. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that guys, that, that men who really want to take a hold of their life and be aligned and live the life they really want to live are like, how can I do that? Once I, once I say that to him, like, oh, I can unlearn this. Okay. How can I do that? Because here's where I want to go. Here's where I am. So the point, the quickest point is from A to B. So let's look at that programming of what's running in your life right now. Is it a limiting belief or it is a fulfilling belief? And if it's a limiting belief, let's change it. If it's a fulfilling belief, let's let's, let's grow it. Let's keep that going. Uh, And then, again, is it subconscious program? Is it conscious? Because we want more conscious to come out because those are our choices.
1: So, Clay, let me ask you a question on that specific point about unlearning. Yeah. I've had this discussion with a lot of different people, and and we disagree in many cases, Mm -hmm. which is great. I personally believe, because it's true for me, Mm -hmm. I had to actually understand where that came from. Yeah. Yeah not only what the belief was, but Mm -hmm. something about where it came from for me to let it go and rewrite it. Some people argue you don't have to, it's more of this, just know that you learned it and trust me, you didn't (laughs) learn it and let go of it. That has not worked for me. What's your thoughts on that? Do you have to go to that level to really understand it, to really do the work? Or can you just, I'd call skimming the surface. There's a judgment in that, yes.
0: And to to me, it's all the individual. And and that's what I, I love about coaching, man. I don't tell you who to be. I don't tell you how things are going to work. We we give suggestions. We have talks. I have the things that work for me for you. That works. That would also have to work for me. I can't be the one. Well, it's just there. Just change it. I'm like, no, I got to know the root. I got to know the why, like, cause we're fixers, but how do we fix something if we don't know where it came from or what it is? So for me, that would be something that's very important. So can it physically, can it physically happen in your body where you don't have to go back to where it came from? Yes. Is it work for you? For you, it does not work for you. For me, it would not work for me. I have to know where it came from in order to be able to say, okay, I've squashed all of this because if I don't know where it came from, something's still left over. To me, that's way—that's my thought. But some people can do it. Some people can't. You have to know, how does, my sub, how does my brain work? How do I learn? How do I take in information? How do I utilize information? How do I recall information? And this goes back to my educator brain is mm-hmm. that's what I help students do. Like, how do we learn? And then how do we use information in our own brains? I'm, I have dyslexia. I have ADD or ADHD probably. Um, but like my brain's all over the place, but I can zone it in and utilize it effectively in order to be able to say, hey, here's my alignment to who I am and to the life that I want. And then I can stay centered. And as an athlete, staying centered
1: means I can pivot.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Good point. Uh- I loved your five whys. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. I agree with you. I think it's six. Six. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, I keep going. I say five. Like, f- yeah. I, I say five, but we can give you a number. Yeah. 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 It's definitely not one. No, no, but absolutely. My theory is that my first couple answers are all my safe answers. Yeah. They're unconsciously absolutely. safe. Yep. And I love the, like, I'll add on to it. I love the so what. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, I'm I'm afraid this might happen. Well, so what? Well, that's yeah. a big deal. Is it really? Well, yeah. no, it's not really that. This yeah. is what, and it usually takes five, six, or seven yep. until someone says something that you can see they actually felt it in their body. Correct. Yep. And we go, oh, here we go. Uh, now, now we go. found out what this is really about. Yeah. Yes. I love the five, yeah. the five whys.
0: Usu- uh, usually about layer three, you start to kind of get something but they're just giving you, they're just giving you fluff in one, two, and three. So about three is when I can, and the more that I do it and the more that I've practiced it over the last two years of, of, of coaching men, um, the better I've got to be able to pinpoint and go deeper quicker. So, but usually around, around level five, I can really start getting to that, but yes, it will take some more. And sometimes it's like 20 layers it all depends. (laughs)
2: So it's like the massage so, therapist are getting that one point. Yeah. You're like, oh, oh you're like, that's
1: good. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> that's right. And you know, When you jump off the table.
2: Yeah. I was <laughs> like, oh, I didn't um, know I had something there.
1: So let's talk about this. One of the challenges I've found in coaching is that the subconscious, in my opinion, is incredibly logical, actually. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem logical to the conscious mind. It seems crazy. And I think that's one of the challenges to the work is that people, in particular men, are saying, well, that can't be it because that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Why on earth would I do that if I don't want that? Yeah. Huh. yeah why on earth would you? <laughs> talk about that challenge of this is just another example of getting into that uh, subconscious program.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What are some of the ways you help men, I guess, negate that logic that's trying to run things? Um,
0: I, I use this all the time. I say, okay. Um, Cause we really have to understand how our brain works and how it's actually programmed. So I always give this example. I give it to guys I work with. I also do it to my students too. Cause we talk about subconscious um, in my classroom. So here's what I say. Anybody listening to this and you guys too. If you walked into a dark room, what would you do? Turn on the light. Turn on the light. On where the would is. yeah? Where would you okay. look though? you would look where, right here, right? You wouldn't <laughs> probably look over there, but more majority, because we've repeated that process over and over and over and over again, our brain doesn't think like, hey, when I walk it, what do I got to do now? It just goes, hey, where's where's it at? You know, you're in a new building and you're looking for, and you always know those buildings you get into where like the light switch isn't where it's supposed to be. And you're like, you're like going all around the, the room and stuff. But that's a very easy concept to understand is that, we don't have to think about where the light switch is or what we would do when we go into a dark room, we're going to turn on the light. That's where our, our subconscious is saying, do this right way. Now, if something is different in our area, when we walk in and then the light switch isn't here, then now that's where we have to now negate to what are we, what's the next step in our process where our conscious comes more involved rather than our subconscious. Um, so flat. when we, so yeah. Yeah. a so fire. Yeah. No,
2: I, I was going to say, no. turn on your phone's light. And, correct. Uh, yes. You know, then, but then that's you
0: find it. correct. And that's, but that's not our first reaction. Our first reaction is to look here on the walls yep. on this wall or this wall, usually on our, on our left wall, if I'm on the, on the left side. Uh, but in Pennsylvania, I don't know if it, it might be in different <laughs> states. That's where we put it. Um, but it's when so we look at the door that, opens. correct. And uh, so we look at that. And that gives us uh, that shows us right away. It's just a, something simple as walking into a dark room, how we're programmed already. So if I know how we're programmed like that, then we got to look at, again, I think it goes back to what what is, is it is the is a program limiting us or is it allowing to for us to be fulfilled. And if it's limiting us, then we have to understand for me and for you, Jeff, it goes back to and Craig, what's your thoughts too? would you have to go back to where it came from as well? Or it depends on what it is, what it is. OK,
2: yeah, because I, I think and, different different things, you know, certain things I could say, OK, I don't need to know the origin of that. Correct. But it it also depends on how how deep that's affected me.
0: Correct. And, and that's where it's like for you. That's what works for me. For me, it's probably like all the time I would have to go back <laughs> to where did this come from? Because if I leave a root, it's, it's just like a weed. If you leave a little bit of the root down in there and don't get it all out, it still comes back. Yeah. And that's to me. I don't want that part. <laughs> so that's where I want to kind of take that out. So it's really looking at: does it limit me, or does it help me fulfill me, or keep me aligned? And when it does that, going back into that, then you have the different ways that you can. Journaling is very effective. Repetition is very effective. Um, when you look at uh, how your brain works and your brain waves, <clears throat> um, and 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 um, reprogramming, um, hypnosis works. Uh, then also when you listening. So if you would repeat a same phrase and you would listen to that as you would sleep, that also has shown to be able to change subconscious program actually the fastest um, in that way. My, my favorite is journaling. I do a 45-day uh, purposeful man journal, and it really looks at that limiting belief, and then we do a 45-day cycle on six things that really looks at your subconscious to train to turn, turn the negative into what the, turn what's limiting you into what's fulfilling you. And we do a six, you write the six, same six things, uh, for 45 days straight. I mean, it's literally, I mean, I get to day 36 and I'm like, I'm done with this, <laughs> but so why 45? I got Why not 30, why not 60? Uh, usually they say about 20, 20, 21 to 27 days builds a habit. The problem that I come in, I don't know if you guys listen to Andy for sell at all, or have heard, uh, heard 75 hard, uh, program at all. Um, that is a program that does five things for 75 days. The reason why I go 45 days instead of the 20 to 21 where a habit comes into place is because there has to be what I've learned from that program and doing that is there has to be some point in time where you're like, I don't want to do this. And you have to push through that overbearing process to go, I'm done with this. I don't want to do it, but you do it anyways. So that break allows what I've done is that break has allowed that subconscious program to actually stick. And now it's in that repetition mode. So when I come into that, I can now go. So a lot of the, I've done nine, no, I've done 10, 10 cycles of that so far over the past two years. And I can remember all those cycles. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, detail planner and a big picture person. That was one of mine. I had to change because I said, I'm just a big picture. I can't plan. No, I can plan, but I had to, my program was I'm just big picture. I had to change that to where I am both.
1: So Clay, I want to go back and pick up on a phrase you used earlier. Mm -hmm. You talked about shove, you said, shove it back into the shadow. (laughs) Yeah. And that's particularly struck me because that feels like to me in my experience, more of um, the male approach versus the female approach. Oh, yeah. So talk about that dynamic of what. What does it mean to shove it back? And what do you think is going on? Sounds like more typically for men than mm-hmm. women that's shoving yeah. it down. Yeah.
0: And and for men, our brains, can, we can actually quarter things off and put them in different places. Um, I, I forget what book I read. I don't maybe it wasn't a book. I mean, it was listen. Um, oh, yeah, it was a YouTube video. I was watching it on a TED talk. And he said the male mind versus the female mind. It was very funny because we have we can quarter things off and we can section, you know, section them off. Uh, and put it here. And in a female's mind, there is no space in a female's mind that doesn't hold information. But there's this one little space in a male's mind where there's nothing there. <laughs> so and he said, absolutely nothing. So when you're sitting, he's like, think about it. When you're sitting on the couch and your wife's like, hey, you're staring off. What were you thinking about? And we're like, nothing. <laughs> and she's like, no, you had to be thinking about something. And he's like, no, nothing. We literally had nothing. So in that, so what we do is there's also a little box in our brains that we also, this is where we put all the stuff we don't want to deal with the stuff that that can cause pain, the stuff that can make us have feelings. Like lots of times we don't want to have feelings. Um, And that was me. That was my case. Not everybody's, but for my case, I didn't want to feel what I felt with anxiety, fear and anger. I didn't want to feel those things. So what I did is I put them in this section of my brain and just kept them back there. The problem is is it's like that uh, you know, Tasmanian devil, they're around in the box. Eventually it's probably going to open up and come out, uh, or that shadow just keeps getting darker. So that's where I shoved the things. And I think men do this a lot. And we have a lot of conversations over the last two years of helping men that yeah, I just I just put it back there and forget about it. And when we put it back there and try to forget about it, it's our shadow, we have to remember that our shadow is always with us. It never goes away. And that's one of the things that really helped me kind of break through and be a leader of one so I can be a leader of many is that I had to be right with my shadow and not try to kick it out and put it away. I had to accept that, Hey, these are parts of me. These are also parts of me in my past. I have used really well and, and have done me a lot. When I get the time I get things done the most is when the times where I use my anger or when I'm mad, if I'm mad, I'll get stuff done. Like (laughs) a lot of stuff done in a little bit of time but I use it in a positive way instead of hurting other people or yelling or doing other things to to harm people. I don't, we don't use it that way. So, um, but that's where I kind of have, we, we tend to do that and put in that little box um, in, in, in our brains to say, Hey, I'm going to store it there for later, but later never comes until later comes out of the box. And then you're like, Ooh, I got it. But what we want to do is if we can have enough conversations like we're having today, we can get guys to a point, That doesn't get to that where it comes out of the box, where we can get them talking about these things prior to they don't get to the place where I got to. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do, because I don't want to get to the place where I was. I want to help them be able to have that conversation before that takes place.
2: So, Clay, you have the tagline build battle Bond." Yep. Can you walk us through
0: those? Yep. Uh, What build battle bond means is this is coming from our guys. So I did some market research and stuff like that and really asked the guys, like, what do we do together? what is it that, that brings us together to have that family structure? And, and we just had a retreat this past uh, two weekends ago. It was awesome. First time we all got together face to face. And it's like, one of the guys said, you know, we came in as, as, as uh, friends, but we left as family. And that's really the truth. And it, they actually feel like brothers, like not just like, Hey, it's a brotherhood, but actually that's my brother. I'll go to bat for it. You say it's time to go to war. Hey, let's go. Where are we at? And, Build means you're building strength in yourself and the relationships you have with others. The battle means we're battling through life's everyday struggles to be the best version of ourselves. And bonding means we bond together as a family to lift each other up through ownership and accountability. And okay. when we do those three things together, man, that just gets, there's, there's no, that, that's what actually
1: gives you a brotherhood um, in there. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm I i got to go find that YouTube video. I trust. know you just explained the conversation <laughs> I regularly have with my girlfriend. That, that I go, no, I'm actually not thinking about anything. Right there's now. nothing. Nothing. There's there nothing. nothing. In and then she never she rarely trusts it. Yeah. I I I said, no, I'm i right. Sometimes I am, but no, right now there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing in there. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. No, I'm fine. not even lo- Nothing. I love that. I'm gonna have to find that. So let's go talk about emotions a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh emotions are such a big issue for all of us. But I think in a unique way for men, uh, my theory on men and women around emotions is that men um, have only one safe emotion culturally, which is anger, mm-hmm. as long as it's not rage or directed yep. at someone too much, and that women basically have a bunch of safe emotions, but they've got one that's forbidden, which is anger. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit more about this emotions journey and your yeah. work with men.
0: Uh, that's probably been the biggest journey for myself, but it's also the biggest journey other men go through, because like you said, we have been taught, especially, you know, I I'm, I'm 40. So I was taught by the baby boom generation to my dad's generation to be like, no, nah, men don't cry. You gotta be tough as nails go out there. You know, and we, we always talk about the phrase man up. So what does that mean? It means a little bit different for every, every person, you know, it can be good. It can be bad. For me, man up was always like, no, like you get knocked down you get right back up. But it's been said to me in a negative way from, from to, to hurt. Oh, you're not, you're not, you you didn't man up. You didn't do that to kind of condemn. And then it hurt, you know? So there's, there's that whole phrase there, but I think for, for me. And what I teach is that. When we get in touch with our emotions, that's actually strength. A lot of times it's like, well, you're if you're in touch with your emotions and yeah. you show feelings and you you say, hey, I'm sad or I'm hurt, uh, things like that. And you get vulnerable. Then that means you're weak, especially for guys if we yeah. also hear it out there. You know, there's that's, lots of. Yeah, go ahead, Craig.
2: That's what so many people think. Yeah. But Wow.
0: It, yeah. When, it, and when for you,
2: when you have somebody that can be vulnerable, yeah. it's like, wow, it takes guts. Yeah. To put it out there.
0: Correct, and and that's where for me in my own personal journey, I thought I was trying, and, and we and guys, we want to handle everything. I could take care of it by myself. Well, I found out that doesn't oh, work out. <laughs> I, exactly, I, I was like, found out. Mo- you will get the lesson until you learn the lesson. Yeah. I kept getting that lesson, is that you can't handle this by yourself, and I tried to, and I tried to be the tough guy, and I tried to be the strong guy, and I tried to be that. But what the more I tried to be that that tough guy, the more I was actually the weak guy, because I was the, the more I went into the insecurity of not wanting to go to my shadow, not wanting to deal with the things I actually felt. Like I say, 15 years, I didn't tell anybody I had anxiety. Why? Because I was ashamed that I was less than I wasn't good enough. And I didn't have what it took those two major questions. And I was ashamed of that. Well, I didn't want to feel that if I told my wife, she might verify that I was, I was less than. Well, I didn't want that. But the problem with that is, is I mirrored what I thought about myself to everyone else. But then I showed everybody else, somebody different. Yeah. I was showing Mr. Positive. That's who I was, Mr. Positivity. And then people were like, no, wait, you literally had a panic attack over a TV show. And I'm like, yeah, like, well, you were so positive all the time. I was like, yeah, that's what I showed you. But I didn't want to be the real me. And it comes down to, I think one of the sessions you saw is about being exposed. All of a sudden, I I was so afraid to be exposed to the real clay smelter where I was trapped inside. That's not that's not strength. That's weakness. That's insecurity. And that's who I was. I was insecure. I was I was posing as a strong, masculine man. But I was a weak, insecure boy. And that's who I was Mm -hmm. posing as. But when I stepped into it and I said, "Hun, here's how I feel. Hey, guys, I talked with other men and say, hey, man, like I hurt this hurt me. When I talk about like my first divorce, like that, literally, that was a huge wound. I hurt like deeply when a man gives his, his heart to somebody, he gives it fully and it was stripped away. That hurt, you know, but I didn't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell anybody I didn't, I didn't want to do that, but it's strength to deal with your emotions and say, Hey, here's how I feel when you can emotionally handle yourself. And emotionally deal with that. Like I'm the first person that'll cry at a movie in our family. I'm cool with mm-hmm. saying that. I wasn't before because that didn't make me tough. But now I'm like, yeah, I cry. I cry at movies. I cry at <laughs> songs. Like, you know, I'm cool <laughs> with that. I'm cool with crying in front of people. Like it's good because I'm I'm strong enough and I know the value that I bring to myself. Yeah. And I know that, which then I can show the emotion because that's what I feel.
2: Well, no, and does if I, it come down to you're, you're living more aligned with who you are yes. versus just trying to please everybody else and trying right. to act for yeah. everybody else?
0: Yeah. Uh, and just like, like my story, I was trying to be everybody for everybody else, yeah. and I was being nobody for myself. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good thing.
2: Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called become a confident leader in this course we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful go to cardaveracom confident to find out more see you on the inside welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all we believe in the incredible power of the human spirit You can find the Driving Change podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.
0: You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the
3: Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me,
0: your host, Diane Helbig.
2: Welcome
1: back. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question on emotions. One thing that makes makes me sad, and it relates to sadness, when I hear men say this, I don't see a lot of men expressing sadness or feeling sadness. And when I when I experience that, I'll say, well, tell me about how often you feel really joyful. Mm. And the answer is usually, mm. yeah, I don't. I yeah. don't really feel much of anything yeah i'm pretty numb it's a word yeah. i hear a lot and my question would, is why why numb yeah why why do you feel that way well the answer usually after five or six whys is <laughs> because i'm terrified of those emotions and i'm not allowed yeah. to have those emotions and i'm going to be weak or i'm not going to be a man mm-hmm. it's going to emasculate me and as some of us know, not all men, but a lot of men have been that phrase has been used to emasculate them. Yep. Be a man. Yep. Um, or you're not a real man. Yep. You're not man enough. Not man enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what has been your experience around this idea that when you turn off one emotion, you turn them all off? Because you said mm-hmm. men can compartmentalize, but I'm not sure yeah. they can with emotion.
0: Yeah. Well, the problem with emotions. Is that we feel them. We just don't do anything about them. I think that's a big thing. Cause I felt it. I just we didn't do anything about anger. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. that yeah. I got that's, man. I, that's acceptable, right? Yeah. I got that one. Yep. And I, you know, I, I could flip out at my kids. You know, I could, that's who I usually do is, is, is what I used to do is, yep. you know, just pop off at my kids and say this, or, you know, I get angry and have to walk out and be like, I can't deal with any of this, but I felt the emotion. I felt it physically. I felt it mentally. I just didn't do anything about it. Mm. I just let it. I, I let anger in that case be my outlet where there are so many other things that I felt. Well, I felt I and one of our brothers is, is really connected to like energy, the universe, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Reiki type deal. And, and he always says we operate out of fear or love. And he said, in that case, he goes, you were operating out of fear. You felt sadness, but you were scared of it. You didn't operate out of love. If you, if you felt sadness and operate out of love, you would have been able to share. What an amazing conversation you probably could have had with your kids and your family and your wife about, about feeling sad. But you, you, you were in a fear state. And now you, you, you lashed out. You got angry quicker. You yelled when you didn't need to. Like, you did those things. And I'm like, dang, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, so now every time, like, I feel that emotion come up, am I operating out of fear state or am I operating out of of a love state? And I got, I got to question that before I react, you know, and that's where it's, I was, we always talk about emotionally reactive or thought reactive. Well, I can still react very quickly, but I can be thought reactive and say, Hey, what's going to get the best thing. And that's something over the past five years, I've worked on really, really hard and help other men do is to be more thought reactive instead of emotionally reactive. And most of the time, emotionally reactive, like you said, Craig, is is out of that anger because, well, that's what we've seen in our past. We've been able to do that.
2: It makes a huge difference to be able to do that. And I guess, you know, in in many ways, we call that emotional intelligence, being Mm -hmm. able to respond appropriately in in an environment. But it's really just not giving total control to your emotions, but rather, you know, choosing how you, how you respond to that doesn't mean that we don't experience them though. So I can Correct. still experience those emotions, but then the outcome of that is, wow, yes. you know, I just had this issue, whatever it was, you know, and I can have that discussion with my wife.
0: And I love one of our brothers said E plus R equals O. And I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> and he's like, I learned a long time ago. I was taught probably, I think he said he was taught when he was taught this, when he was 25, really getting into the company that he was uh, working for. And he said, the leader told me your event plus your response gives you your outcome. Hmm. E plus R equals O. What do you always have control of? The R. You don't always Hmm. have control of the E, but you do have control of the R. And when we look about taking ownership, extreme ownership of our lives, that R is what we have, we have to choose. I, I know one of your things you're talking, I think it was um, with Kate, you're talking about fate. Is it fate or, um, oh, you asked the question. It was a great, I was like, Ooh, cause I was like, what would I say to this? The It was, is it, do you believe in fate
1: or coincidence? I think. It was oh, I said, like do that. you believe, I said, do you believe there's that anything is coincidence?
0: Correct. Yeah. Or cause that goes into the fate though. Like Like they, you know, and to me, I think, you know, there's too many things and, and it kind of goes back to spirituality too. For me, I believe, but I, I don't have a religion. And that's what she was saying too is, but for me, it's like, there's too many things that have happened in my life and it, dealing with books, especially I got John Maxwell, the a week before my first wife sat me down and said, Hey, you know, I, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And I'm leaving you. I got John Maxwell's failing forward in our book club. I was like, wow. it's, like it's crazy. And there's other books along the way that I got in a time that I needed. So for me, I just don't, I don't think there's just coincidence I, the universe works in crazy ways. And I just kind of am like, I don't know why, but to me that it just does. <laughs> it just yep. does.
1: So Clay, There's, there's one thing as we get near the end here, you, mm-hmm. you talked about at the beginning and I want to have you put a little more out there. You talked about, the death of the old self. Yeah. And you've said several times that you believe these old ways need to actually die. Yeah. And you talked about them in the context of the ashes and the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Mm-hmm. I think some people hear that and go, what the hell are you talking about? to <laughs> yes. die." Put a little more meat on those bones for folks. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and I love the extreme of it because it's what I had to go through. Um, and, and what I do is I actually walk through, uh, in, I have a program for that is an actually eight week cycle, uh, that you, we call it, uh, call it the Phoenix cycle. And you can really go through is we spend time burning down all of those limiting beliefs, the things that we don't like about ourselves, all of those different things, we have to actually burn that down. We got to strip it away. We got to bring it to the surface. We got to put it on the table and then we got to burn it. And the reason we got to burn it is because it, it, and we actually, one of our things is actually burning. like lighting it on fire and the oh, release man. that oh, it man. actually
2: i love fire <laughs> uh, the the,
0: the re, I, listen i like i was i'm like that's hokey dokey and then but the first time i did it for myself i was like wow i'm like there is such a release to say i know what was on that paper i know what i wrote i know it was about me and then burning it i may even get like emotional now half teary-eyed because i know i still know it was on that paper and i lit it on fire and i'm like Poof. it was such a release and and Again, I don't mind showing emotion here, but it was such a release for me that it allowed me to not have to keep a hold of it and say, and say, this has a a hold on me, but I have a hold on it. I have control of these things now. And so we go through that eight week process to burn away the old and from those ashes of the old self comes the new self. And out of those ashes, we really look and focus on who do you want to be? How do you want to show up in life? How do you want to show up as a man, maybe as a husband, as a, as a, as a father, as in your career, how do you want to do that? What does that look like? And then that process allows you to set up the life you actually really want to lead. So you can stay aligned to who you are and aligned to what your life wants to be and then move in that direction. And, uh, but that can't happen unless you get rid of the stuff of your past.
1: That's holding you back. That's pulling you down. So that's what I mean. You got to burn. (laughs) Well, Clay, I I feel like we could go on for several hours, and I knew we could if we didn't have the reality of time. It's such a rich conversation, so many layers, and I just believe such vital work. So grateful for the work you do, what you brought today. We always want our guests to have an opportunity to highlight or promote something that's going on in their world. What, What is that for you, Clay?
0: For me, right now, we we have the actual process that that I just talked about—that eight-week process—and and and that's part of our initiation. Right now, uh, we're running through um, October, October and November. Um, It's brand new program, so we're actually running fifty percent off on uh, that—the initiation program into the brotherhood uh, and the and then and then the membership after that. So that eight-week process is there. But I also would say um, I have we we talk about work-life balance. That's one of the biggest problems that that I hear from men over the past two years. I also, if you go to buildbattlebond.com, there will also be the top seven ways to get out of the work-life balance rut. So I talk about 10 myths and I talk about uh, seven strategies that can help you utilize right now, kind of getting out of that rut if you feel like you're in that rut. So those are the two different things um, that I kind of are going on right now that are brand new. I'm super excited and, and have helped a ton of people already. So
1: wonderful so clay what is the best way for people to connect with you
0: I would say I'm on linkedin um I'm on instagram and purpose, or in uh Facebook purpose infused brotherhood um and then you can also go to purposeinfusedbrotherhood.com um it's all around the same topic so you can uh type in purpose infused brotherhood uh anywhere there's also we have a podcast that comes out every monday now too uh and so you can,
1: you can check that out as well Wonderful. We always wrap up with a question or two, Clay, and you actually already yeah. answered one. You're <laughs> talking, which is great. You talked about extreme ownership. Yeah, um, which is a fantastic book. I agree with you. Uh, if if you embrace it, yes, as, absolutely. with the keyword, it is extreme ownership. It is. <laughs> it's not sometimes, not partly, no, uh, but, all the time. So let's, do, so let's do the other question for you. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that movie that speaks to you about leadership. Oh.
0: That's my favorite movie. I actually also have a shirt that has whole, I've had it for like 10 years and my wife keeps trying to get rid of, but that represents the movie is the Goonies. My favorite movie of all <laughs> times. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hey, you guys, it's like, it's great. But you know, to me, the the leadership aspect is, is that dream, you know, think about what's happening in that town, you know, during a movie, they're, they're going through this crisis. And you have these kids who have a dream that that's big, that they want to take ownership of getting their town back so they go on this crazy quest of all these dips and dives and all these you know turbulence here and this and that and all these booby traps and the fratellis and gun shooting and you know sloth and everything but in the end what did they do they took ownership of the situation to go get what they wanted out of life and they were themselves and that's one of the biggest things for me about ownership you can lead one to lead many is you first have to lead yourself. And when you can you lead yourself, just like the Goonies, Goonies never die. But when you when you lead yourself, you can go that blossom where you're planted and lead many other people to 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 the life that they want to live.
1: Well, love that finish, because you just spoke, (laughs) you know, our language, our choir, our orchestra. Uh, You got I got to leave myself in order to lead others. And and it starts with me and I love it. Thanks for the message. And most importantly, Clay, thanks for the work that you do in the world, because it certainly matters.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And thanks to your work, uh, your leadership out there. That's one of the key things that is important in this world is leadership uh, for everywhere. So thank you guys for what you do.
2: If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cardavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Don't you know that you're a